Wednesday. Here we go. Wednesday, back in the States. Back in the States. That's right. You, you're no, still, you still you still haven't gotten on a plane. No, I haven't. I haven't. I'm dying to hear about the, the, the plane uh, trip and also the future banning of Americans <laughs> to Europe. Have you heard this? Yeah, I just saw this. I woke up to that news this morning. I, I feel... Um, kind of horrible actually <laughs> like that <laughs> americans are now banned from europe um but uh you know honestly on the way in uh we were, we it's were not more, our fault. no it's not our fault uh we you know <laughs> i have the masks we we respect the mask um and doing our part so um yeah jim can you hear me still <clears throat> there we go did you lose me as well? I'm just curious. Something is. Uh... Yeah, yeah, we're we're suffering today. I don't know what the 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 text's killing us a little bit, but we'll try to keep powering through. Can you hear me now? Yeah, now now it can, and it's all good. So I'll just keep um, uh, talking because it's recording on my side, so people will just hear me talk. I mean, what the hell? <laughs> right. <laughs> cool. uh, so on the way in, actually, uh, um, uh, my dear friend Manish uh, Juneja, who's been actually having these, uh, I think, day 76 uh, on what they think is like a long tail of symptoms of COVID, he asked me the question, which is a whole other discussion uh, on its own. Um, but he asked me the COVID. question. Oh. COVID. <laughs> Um, he, uh, you know, I'm not abiding by our own rules, um, which I guess rules are meant to be broken. Right. Um, but, um, yeah. So, uh, anyway, he asked me the question, uh, would I be willing to jump on a plane again? And just, you know, and my answer was absolutely. But then I thought about it and I said, well, yes, because a, we got upgraded to business class. Uh, B, um, the plane was like a third full, right? So the airports are pretty empty. If the plane was full, if the airports are full, I, I don't know if I would jump on, right? Um, so it's a little, it's a little bit, yeah. We, we made it. We're now self-quarantining again in the Cl Clifton, New Jersey. We just went to get our okay. COVID, ah, damn. The testing done, both both <laughs> PCR and uh, antibody uh, at a city okay. MD. So let's see. Okay. They say three to five days, um, and then hoping yep. to rejoin the girls and my mother-in-law in her house afterwards. So that's that's right. my story. Right. Well, Sticking done. with it. Yeah, that's it. Good man. Good man. So who do we got lined up today? So uh, I'm gonna drag you over uh, to Anish Shindore. Um, he, uh, I got to know him a couple of years back um, through, uh, through Milland, who is another uh, change agent in this industry. And uh, Anish and I became friends, and I'm going to drag you over. So he is now heading up digital innovation uh, and digital therapeutics uh, at Sanofi. So I'm going to welcome him in. But um... Cool, man. I'm looking forward to meeting this guy. Let's go. Let's go for it. <laughs> Let me try to get my Wi-Fi working. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> Hello. Anish. Hey. What's going on? Welcome to the show. Of you, you, you've made it in the top 10 episodes. That's right. 
That's right. So there's one part of me that says I'm the 10th and the other part of me that says I'm the 10th. <laughs> exactly. So Anish, Anish, meet Jim. Jim, meet Anish. Hey, Jim. How are you? Hey, Anish. How are you? I've seen you on the social media uh, network. <laughs> yeah. I've seen I've you on the interwebs. I try to say on the down low, but yeah, can't, can't get part of it. <laughs> are you really, yeah, yeah. though, trying to stay on the down low? And by the way, we're experiencing some Wi-Fi issues. I think every one of us is today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not wife issues, just Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah. No, a little just bit of wife, clear. little wife, Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah. <bit> <laughs> <laughs> a mix of both. <laughs> mix of both. So you're calling in from, uh, we've got our second guest from Barcelona. Are you in Barcelona? I am in Barcelona. Okay. I, I had okay. to adjust my background quite a bit so that I can show you guys the blue sky. Do you believe mm. it? Oh, lovely. Yeah. Lovely. We've got something similar going on here in Dublin. Oh my God. Still, still, I can't a believe that's Dublin. <laughs> a little bit unusual. A little bit unusual. I, I so, actually considered going outside to record, but you know, good old New Jersey, it's hot and humid as hell. And I just, I don't like sweating. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Let's, it wouldn't be good for the camera to have you sweating, sweating all over it. You know, we'll keep it, we'll keep the head with a nice glisten. That's right. <laughs> Well, so Anish, it's good that it's good that Eugene is planning to move at the end of summer. If not, right. he's going to go red very soon. Exactly. Let's exactly. Crossing so fingers. Anish, so, crossing fingers. So we're looking for. So I, I I saw your background. So so great big medical pharma background. But do you want to kind of maybe give us a little bit of a proper introduction since Eugene? Um, I, I screw it up every time. <laughs> didn't. No, it's it's okay. Uh, I actually. Uh, my background compared to a lot of other people is quite underwhelming. I've just been quite fortunate to be in good roles. And, and uh, in, at Novartis, I remember they used to call me the troublemaker. And, and, and okay. not only by, by, by the way I am, it's actually we, we had like a, like a persona role play kind of a thing within a team meeting. And they had this bowl of chits. And the one that I picked was called Foyonero, which in okay. Spanish is troublemaker. And, and okay. it, uh, I mean, that's what I stuck with. But my, my background, so look, if you cannot tell by my skin or my accent, I'm from India originally. Uh, I've been okay, out of great. India for about 18, 18 years now. Lived in Atlanta. Yeah. Don't judge me for that, please. Uh, <laughs> lived in Paris. Don't judge me for that either. But <laughs> And then I've been in Barcelona for the last 12 years and, and yeah. living it up completely. But, yeah, but yeah. by the way, troublemakers make the world go round. Right. Yeah. So just, yeah. just right. FYI, that's the intention. And you're you're accelerating companies, so you're 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 kind of early stage acceleration of companies, or are you working with them a little bit later stage, or where's your kind of sweet spot? It's really it really depends on the in it really depends on what we are trying to achieve, right? So so um, it would be hard to say that we look into well established companies. There are companies that we look into because, for example, look at rare diseases in this case. There's not much that actually exists for rare diseases. And that's an area that has been most of the times overlooked and protocolized in a way that a patient would get their treatment, maybe get diagnosed 8 to 13 years uh, after they have their first symptoms, right? So so we really look at companies who actually fit. Uh, within two or three things, right? One is if they have a solution that actually meets the patient needs. Second, do they have the patience and the tolerance to actually work with a big pharma? That's very important. Mm. Uh, and third, 
uh, we don't really look into buying in companies at the moment. We've always looked into partnering some of those. So how can okay. we how can we leverage some of those skill sets and help them develop what is important for them as their core business and what is important yeah. for our core business? So once we hit that balance, uh, if that is a really fresh company, that's okay. If that's a company that's been existing for three or four years, that means they have a product developed. That's okay also. You know, it's funny that the rare disease that that whole you know impact of rare diseases on digital healthcare is fascinating to me. I don't know if can yeah. you guys hear me, but it is in the sense that you've got this, you have this, um, uh, you know, the, the systems, the health systems pay a tremendous amount of money to treat the condition. Um, the patient volumes are in the, are tiny. Um, and so it just plays against any kind of digital health tech play, right. Where, where it's largely about getting an efficiency and getting volume and reaching people in this kind of novel way. Yet, yet they're the people that benefit, that could benefit, you know, and there's probably Absolutely. economics there to be able to support them. But I think, is there any, rare disease digital health play that's kind of have you heard of either of you uh if if i say it you have to stop recording it but no. <laughs> okay okay that's fine don't worry no, about it but, don't worry about but it i think i think i think what 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 is i think within the digital uh, world right what what i think is an opportunity that's uh, for uh, for all of us to to pick is we can start generating data now or could have hmm. starting two or three years ago for those patients going into from a diagnostic phase and re reverse engineering. Because in the end, even if you are diagnosed and you're on a treatment, there are some symptoms that you can actually go back and see how you can reduce that whole uh, patient journey time, right? So I think right. data is going to be a big key when you look at rare diseases. But rare diseases, I, I want to highlight rare diseases, but at the same time, I want to say that it's not that special either because we are not doing that of a great of a job when it comes to diabetes either. And this has been right. a disease that has been existing for decades. Solutions have yeah. been out there for decades, but it's only we are scratching the surface now with some of the digital health solutions with, uh, with diabetes as well. So lots to, lots, I think lots to figure out. Uh, it'll be well, interesting in the next five to six years. And you're getting, uh, so I think this is official now, uh, I hope. Uh, you're getting a little bit, I mean, Sanofi is uh, ginormous. I, I don't know actually how many employees, but uh, you're getting some little help that looks, especially from the back, looks like a twin of mine, Chris Luca. So yeah, getting right. a, a partner in crime there, a troublemaker as well, in a good sense. So Absolutely. I mean, I mean, it start, it's early days, right? So he needs to understand yeah, yeah. the company as well. But I mean, we are just waiting for him to just roll up his sleeves and, 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 and help us out and, and us helping him out as well to get some of these good things going. So that's going to be, that's going to be, that's actually really motivating since he's coming. Yeah, I think awesome. ta talented, uh, bald men in digital healthcare, like our, our friend here, Eugene and Chris DeLuca, you know, yeah. we, we need more of those. <laughs> oh, absolutely. There are few, right? So, so I, I think we, we should just give them yellow helmets so that we can spot them in crowds. Ooh, that's a good one. Very good. Very but good. you know, uh, we we kind of skipped over our usual. Uh, I think Jim, Jim mentioned your our second guest from Barcelona. We had Francesca on right. a while back. Uh, right. I don't know. I mean, we've only been doing this for like 10, 11 weeks, um, but. Um, Tell us what's actually happening with this shitstorm. Um, what's what's phase two, three? Like what's what's outside? What's happening? Like just a little bit. I mean, it's on the right? so there's there's one which is what should happen in phase three, and there's one which is what happens in phase three. So in terms of <laughs> look, Spain has been one of the 
strictest countries when it came to confinement in Europe and in the world, right? And I think I really respect the way they actually put some of the measures in. Um, and uh, you, what you see now uh, from a business perspective, right? You go to malls, you go to shops, uh, you get um, like those sanitizing and everything happens. You get cleaned up. Our gym started, for example, Monday and uh, they are doing temperature checks right outside the gym. They uh, desanitize your hands, your shoes and stuff like that. They have like special carpets for it. And then um, it's, it's quite nice the way they've set it up. So from, from a business perspective and from making sure people are confident about coming back and creating volumes, uh, at least measure volumes, uh, they're doing a good job. But when it comes to like normal life, you see the beaches over here, um, they're all full. They're all full. Okay. Although there is restrictions on the beaches right now. So you can have a certain amount of people that can go. And, right. and they're, trying to, they're trying to control that. But still, the, the, the culture is such that people want to be out. So if they are not on the sand, they're actually just queuing up outside. That's where you mess up social distancing anyways, right? So you may get infected on the sand or right outside it. So that's right. the sad part of it. But um, uh, in different parts of Barcelona, I've seen different things. So if you go in the city center in Plaza Catalunya, uh, I was shocked to see literally like 10 to 20% people actually wearing masks. The neighborhood okay. where I live, there's about 90% people wearing masks. And, 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 okay. and, and I don't know if it's tourists that are not respecting that or if it's locals who are going into the center and they just forget that we have a crisis that we are dealing with. But it's, uh, it's strange, but I would say it's still in control. Right. Spain right. is not open for tourists as of yet. And I think overall EU is July 1st, right? And then of no, course we, every country or... We, Spain started a pilot. So starting Sunday, yeah, last Sunday, UK mm -hmm. is allowed to come in uh, without any quarantine uh, or a uh, 14-day quarantine, yeah. Uh, Germany was the first country and it, it, it was so funny because the, the outbreak that happened in Berlin was the very first day when uh, Spain opened this pilot where Germans yeah. could actually go to Balearic Islands uh, and, and the first flight was that. And now every wow. day, I mean, from my window, I can see the number of flights increasing. We've had none. Right. Now you see like five or six every day, which usually is like every three minutes. So. Um, yeah. They have opened the borders, but we'll see. We'll see the next. I'm I'm curious. At the same time, I'm a bit anxious. What's going to happen in the next three weeks when people really start flooding in? Yeah. yeah. Like, well, it's I'm, not like, the Americans. Like, we were just discussing before yeah. you jumped on. <laughs> oh man, that's scary. Let's see what happens. I know. I know. It, it's funny. I think that like I'm. We just opened up our office. Like when we talked earlier in the week. Uh, Eugene, like we just yeah. opened up our office and we have a, like a green team and a white team, you know, system. And, uh, and, you know, we're all ready to go. Ireland's been pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it, it definitely, I'd say half, like we're doing a survey of the staff. I think half the staff are still very nervous. Like mm -hmm. we're going to go to the full office opening next week. You don't have to go to the office, but it's, it's available for you to work out of, you know, um, Right. So like, and I, I, like my own psyche on it is definitely all over the place a little bit, you know, like what about, you know, what's yeah. the, you know, how do we I mean, respond, the, the you know? extrovert in you, Jim, wants to get back out there, but you know, the family man kind of says, Hey, yeah. stay put. Yeah. It's kind of chill. It's nice and chill so, not to get on a plane. Yeah. Uh, that's enough. So, also, I mean, in, in the next two weeks, we are supposed to open up. And of course, they're doing like gradual opening at the offices. One of the yeah. good things that I think they're doing is for people who are volunteering to get uh, the antibody testing done, they can go. 
Now, a lot of people okay. are, of course, very, um, they're thinking that why does Sanofi want to get me tested and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, guys, come on. This is an opportunity for you to get tested. Go and do it. Because you wouldn't, right. in, in, if you go to the hospital in Spain and you ask that, hey, uh, I want to get tested, you won't. You won't get tested just because you feel you want to get tested because it's all reserved. The kids are reserved for the people who actually have COVID or have okay. symptoms. Got it, got it. We're just raising the, the thing. Cool. I, I, I've, I've screwed up before too, Anish. I completely ah, forgot about it. Oh, the C word. I forgot. I forgot my sign. <laughs> but uh, uh, actually, I mean, I was, I was going to tie it back in, but it's not really. I was going to say, like, speaking of digital, but we weren't really. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking about blood tests and, and, and PCR tests. But um, I guess there is a digital component. So I actually want to loop back in because somebody who is driving a lot of the digital therapeutics, there you go, because Jim forgot to make the sign. So now you're responsible. I have to run to a new Wi-Fi spot. <laughs> I will do it. You're responsible. Cool. Uh, I could not even keep track of all the digital therapeutics news in the last two weeks. Between Akili getting yeah. both FDA and CE, uh, congrats to our friends at Kaya Health uh, getting, I think, 28, 29 mil. Uh, Big Health, the old Sleepio, which I don't think they want to be called that anymore. Uh, and I think there was a few others that I think I just even skipped. Like, what is, right. what, you know, Anish, your thoughts, two cents going on? or two million? Uh, I don't know. So, so this is, so we, we always thought that this would happen, but this would happen somewhere around 2022, 2023. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the gentle nudge that we've got through the seaboard uh, is, has helped quite a lot. And, uh, and we, uh, not, only, not only that, uh, but it's, it's amazing the amount of interest that has, it, uh, it has increased internally. Because, you know, being in pharma, big part of our roles is actually internal change management than, actually, than external impact. And mm. this has given us so much of like muscle and mass to go inside and say, hey guys, let's get ready for the new uh, way of working, right? And, and, yeah, right? and it's been great. I think, I think the projections that we had initially, so um, I think we were expecting about in 2025, the industry is gonna be worth like 20 or, um, yeah, 28, 25 billion. I think that's gonna be somewhere around 2022 now. So everything has been rolled back. Uh, I like yeah. the way FDA has reacted to it. I think we still need to see how Europe uh, is adapting to it. Uh, mm -hmm. I've been involved in a lot of uh, projects with China. Uh, we are seeing some movements over there, especially in some of the provinces that they are taking much faster lead and adaptation to some of the things. So this, this, I mean, I'm just, I'm just glad to be in this field first. Second, this is going to be really rock solid for the next uh, like five to six years. Yeah. The, um, the, the, funding environment right now like so the funding environment is just it's kind of chaotic right you got yeah. these deals flowing in um we have this regulatory landscape it's almost you can't even update your models if you're going out and you're talking to people um right. it's kind of in some ways it's a little it feels and then there's like how many telehealth companies are going to be able to absorb how many you know kind of similar looking companies when do you right. when do you think we start to see a little bit of a of a you know, like Rob, we had Rob Garber on one of our early podcasts. He says, oh, there's going to be a flight to quality. But, mm -hmm. you know, there's still, it's kind of broad, it's kind of broad deal making right now. Like when does it start to? It, it, it is. I mean, uh, so I think we, we should start seeing real impact on some of these solutions. So 
again, some of the prescription-based solutions, you'll start seeing impact by mid next year, summer next year. I think you should start really seeing relevant data uh, mm. and, and insights into it. Um, but for a broad part of it and the conservative side of me, I think the health tech companies are going to do much more than what pharma will be capable of doing just because we are slow, just because sure. we are slow to react. Uh, I think th this is an opportunity for a health tech company to come forward and say, hey, look what, I'm very agile by nature, by the way we are working. They have to adapt, I guess. They have to learn about some of the other requirements that are required uh, the, that are for regulation and stuff like that, or at least the safety of their products. If they are covering these two points, guess what? They're going to be in a such, they're going to be in such a competing uh, position to negotiate and also to actually acquire market. That's going to be great. So for, for me, I mean, the only recommendation that I give to health tech companies is if you can formulate your own business model by taking opportunity of what's available right now and keep in mind how you can make your product safe, you're in for a very good spike in your business. And, and at some point, I mean, this is, uh, you know, I'm going to put on my old, my old hat. And, you know, I think as um, there's the FDA regulations you know, and approvals, as the scaling is coming in for a lot of the DTX companies, as with the, you know, the shitstorm that hit us, um, you know, the, the loosening, especially around the psychiatric uh, diseases for, uh, by the FDA, now there's this, you know, real world data, not evidence for a lot of these companies that exactly. is now being able to be collected and looked at from an evidence perspective. And some of the pricing now being priced you know, I don't, honestly, if I'm kind of pharma, I would just look at it and just buy it later. Exactly. Like, you know, it, it needs to stand on its own uh, unless it's a very complementary product, which, yeah. you know, I'm still sort of debating if there are enough skills in pharma companies to merge the molecule with a digital solution. It's obviously happening. And, yeah. But and it's all people waste, right, Eugene? You've yeah. seen this at Bayer as well. If you, if you find the right people who are able to bring that human plus tech together, I mean, you can create magic with that. And that's, that's where I think we, we have at Sanofi, one of the things that we've been working on is we have a very small team, but a very dedicated team who looks at not just health tech companies, who look at, okay, what's the problem you want to solve? And is it a problem worth solving? Mm. You you, you get yourself committed to this. You find out the answers for that. And guess what? Everything else just flows with bumps on the road, but it flows and it, it, it really makes sense then. I've seen a lot of companies uh, that invest in tech startups, buy them out, and then guess what happens? They either one of them dies and usually it's the tech startup that dies it's just because they are not able to integrate themselves in the big company. You, right? you know, sure. not, not to get philosophical, but we always have this discussion and I continuously, right? Because on one side, um, there's a problem statement, a problem to be solved, yeah. unmet need. But on the other side, obviously, technology has been changing over the decades, how right. we interact with each other, how we do business, and there's the tech push. And I'm actually, Jim, I'm going to point at you just curious uh, on, I still remember, and I think we might have discussed this, like you running over to me in London and a health 2.0, showing me a PDF of this beautifully designed, you know, health beacon device. Did you sure. already have the problem statement then? Or were you like, I think we need this as a tech gadget and I'm going to create a business around it? Oh yeah. No, I was, I'm 
I'm way too old of an entrepreneur to have it to not have the problem statement. I thought so. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I I said to my, you know, like I promised my wife we'll have customers before I start a new company, you know. So we um you know, when I thought about this, I mean I had been working on the same problem for 20 years, you know, which was, you know, how do you migrate, how do you migrate patients from the hospital uh, into the community? I did it as a pharmaceutical executive. And then I launched a patient services company. And then all of a sudden this tech idea came along and I said, oh man, this is scalable because scaling services and, you know, and I, I actually, I mean, I know we, we, I really, I kind of enjoy the, the game of working with pharma. Um, you know, I think there's, you know, it, it, it's, they're going to be clumsy, but there's this talented kind of fairly consistent group of, uh, of people in terms of how they implement stuff globally. So I always believe that, Pharma would be a big piece of the digital health solution puzzle. Um, you know, they always like, thought that. So, so what I was yeah. thinking about, I mean, a problem statement was, was like, we don't know if people took their medications or not. So we grabbed the sharp spin and we turned it into a patient support tool. Um, and, you know, we called it health beacon. So instead of it being a, a beacon of sickness, also it's a beacon of health. Yeah. And, and we just thought about transforming it. You know what, what company I was, I was inspired by was uh, Zappos. Mm. was Zappos was Zappos where they you know they flipped the customer service agent you know you know the idea that like the person you know the person that you're trying to get off the phone is your customer you know as a customer service agent that was kind of my inspiration but long answer Eugene (laughs) no I I listen I love it and I actually just learned something new that uh, I never even thought about the name health beacon the beacon of health versus beacon of sickness I love it right right Right. Yeah. It's inspiring. And, and also you gave people like the devices, like um, you give people their discretion back. I think that might, you know, probably like you guys, it's is obsessing over, I think the leverage for these tools is the patient experience, Absolutely. you know, and, and, and I think that's one of the challenges that pharma has because of the regulation that sits on top of them is they have trouble getting at that patient experience, even, you know, with the best intentions in the world, right. you know, they have a lot of obligations, you know, when they interact with patients that maybe a health tech company doesn't have, you know? Yeah. I think you said it right. So I always say pharma is a good play for a health tech company. A lot of people challenge that. Why do we need pharma? But it's it's almost like if you if you need a stable relationship, you get a horse. Pharma is that horse <laughs> uh, because there there are a couple of things that pharma is today. One is their ability to scale from a sales perspective, their right. ability to fund and to absorb any turbulences. Uh, when it it comes to regulation and adapting that uh, a small tech company, yes, they can deal with it, right? They can be, they can fight it out. But when you are in a big ship, you don't feel those small waves, you see? And that's what pharma is. And that's what I say. I'm not going to defend pharma over here, but it's something there's, uh, there's within this whole piece, right? There is a big value that it also brings to the table. Because they've worked yeah. out all this regulation. I'm, I'm going to use your ship analogy. So if I'm a young health tech company and I'm on a little tiny boat next to the ship and I'm like <laughs> rowing away, can I can I right. actually catch on, latch on and be dragged? Or am I going to go <laughs> stumble because I ran out of steam and money and everything else? So We, we, just, need, yeah. we just need to work on some magnetic levitation techniques and that should be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, but I hear I'm, you. I'm I taking hear you. notes for that one. I'm taking notes for that one. We, we got to go back to um, 
we get it back to someone who spent their life in Atlanta. What did I get? Atlanta, Paris? Was it in Paris in France? And, right. uh, in, in, I'm not sure what your hometown is in India and you're it's, in Barcelona. Yeah. Where's your hometown? It's a, it's a city called Nasik. Um, okay. I don't associate myself with Bombay or Mumbai. Um, okay. I actually, I'm not a big fan of that city. Um, Nasik is the only uh, wine producing city in India. Um, I would not recommend their red wine, but their white wine is quite okay. <laughs> Uh, it's very okay. <laughs> acceptable, uh, just okay. being honest. Um, and 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 yeah, um, uh, lived over there. I left U left the US for when I was when I just turned uh, twenty. And uh, Atlanta had has been a great experience. I was actually quite shocked when I moved to Atlanta, um, just yeah. because of the diversity that you find. Um, my uncle managed to scare me a lot about the city because at the at the time I think the crime rate was quite high in the city. And and he's like, oh no, why are you leave, leaving your luxurious life in India? Uh, because I did not have the slumdog millionaire life. I actually came from a decent <laughs> enough family, so so didn't have to do all of that. So so there was a lot of change in in that piece. But uh, I Atlanta, I mean, I learned a lot. I learned a lot in US, and I think a big part of my personality today, of just like cutting through the bullshit just being very direct, assertive on things. I think I learned that in US because I was too shy, too humble. Uh, one of those Indian dudes who is in their office and he's like, yes, sir. I wasn't, I was never like that. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but, uh, but it, 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 you know, you go at a certain age and if you're open, you shape yourself to actually become and take your personality out. And it was amazing experience. And What's your advice for... What's your advice for Eugene? Because Eugene, you're heading to Barcelona, right? Like, what's what's? I mean, I'm sure you've given advice offline, but for the for our viewers, what's your advice to Eugene? Uh, you know, it's it's very hard to find uh, things that are negative in Barcelona. Um, really? uh, but <laughs> the, the very few things. Uh, the, I, I would say the only negative part would be when I moved to Barcelona. We had a local, uh, a lot of local people around us. A lot of, I mean, we didn't have many English-speaking people around us. The restaurants used to open that Spanish time that you think of, which is around eight thirty or nine o'clock. Uh, so it was right. very difficult for us to get in. But now, when you come in, like you go four o'clock and you have one of the best tapas places open, and you can go out eat. Everybody speaks yeah. English. It's 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 going growing into. It's not quite a metropolitan yet, like Madrid is, but it's getting to that point where there is enough uh, flow of people from outside, at least within Europe, coming in and US, that that it's uh, created a environment of itself. Um, yeah, yeah. And the and, Mobile uh, World Congress put Barcelona on the map. Oh, I, I do want to just quickly jump back uh, to Georgia. Just one quick question: Have you had the crocodile meat? Uh, in Florida, you mean? Yes. Florida. Georgia okay. is the, Georgia is the oh, peach okay. state. No, because <laughs> I remember we drove through Savannah uh, yeah, with, yeah. as a family a while back. And on the menu was like this crack. And I was like, I have to try it. And it was yeah. good. I, I mean, I, Savannah is good for strip clubs and crocodile meat as well. Yes. <laughs> okay. Good to know. That, that's going into the show notes uh, did I, for did the I viewers. Say there's something that I need to put like an S sign or something. Right. 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 Savannah is great. I mean, apart from Forrest Gump, actually, there's a lot to see in Savannah. But I think Barcelona. I, I think Barcelona changes now. Like you've got, so you've got Anisha, you've got you there. You know, you've got. Um, you got Francesca running the Amaral. Now you got Eugene. 
yeah. think it's going to be like just a, like a few individuals here are going to stir the place up a little bit. It could become a, a digital health kind of, or I mean, maybe it is. It, it has it already is. started. Yeah. It already yeah. is. And, and we all are quite connected. I mean, Francesca, her leadership team, there are people. So, so one of the groups that we created uh, last year at DTX London, uh, it was about 100 of us in total. And we found five people that were from Barcelona. And we're like, hey, Barcelona, great. So we should meet up. So we, right. we, we tried to do this um, uh, like uh, kind of an after after office kind of a thing. And, and right. in so the Celine, end, yeah. Jessica Show, right? Yeah. So yeah. Celine came much later. I think Francesca was there and Noel was there, for example. And, and we ended up being 20 of us at this happy hour, which I was organizing, that 20 grew to 40, grew to 50. And this is all like informal yeah. get together. And the whole topic was how do we get the Spanish health authorities to actually approve digital health solution? And everybody was so keen on it. So we have people from Roche uh, there. Of course, Annabelle, uh, Eugene knows her very well. Yeah, She was yeah. there. Annabelle. People from BHH, all these guys, I mean, got together and it's been, it's been amazing. I can't. I cannot for... wait to join in. Oh yeah, Hopefully, yeah. Eugene is going to set it up. <laughs> it's going to be cool. Fun. Well, I'm I'm the timekeeper. I think uh, yeah. Anish. Um, so I, I know, right? This just flew by. We're like honestly almost approaching in co combined almost forty minutes, uh, and we did yeah. not even review our stats. But I think at this point, it's Jim. We're just we just keep going, right? We're we just keep we going. Keep going. I, mean, I, I, I think we didn't even say my planned jokes over here. <laughs> Did you run, let's another? just run through them. Come on. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> but, uh, I got the lobster joke. The lobster joke is coming soon. <laughs> um, we, we, we need to take cuts of that, right, uh, Jim? Yeah. You and I were discussing. But uh, it's, yeah. it's difficult to uh, – the beauty of this is so unproduced. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say my kind of final to the viewers, whoever made it till the end of the 35, 38 minutes of whatever we've been doing it press the subscribe button on YouTube because Jim and I are still hitting, trying to hit that a thousand. And uh, so yep. we, we can make some extra scratch and I don't know, we'll figure <laughs> out what we do with it. Honestly. Exactly. But exactly. I'll send it to Great. the guys, the happy hour crew from here. They're at least 50. Oh, yeah. exactly. So you get it 50. Look at that. We can, I'm going to tag Go some of them in the, in the LinkedIn post. So I'll get the list yeah. from you. Sounds cool. good. Sounds good. That's great. Anish. Thanks well, man. Good, guys. It's good been to a have you on. You made it into season one and top 10 episodes. So thank you congrats. very much. Well done. Cheers. Yeah, thank you very much. And Jim, nice to meet you, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, nice guys. to meet you.